to me, it's not really about activism in itself for the sake of activism. It's just like, you know, using your voice to just speak your truth. Welcome to the 66th episode of Pine Copper Line, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. You can find Pine Copper Lime on Instagram and Facebook. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletter with print news from around the world, all at pinecopperline.com. We are on the cusp of this little printmaking podcast turning two years old. Next episode, actually. And here at PCL, we love a giveaway, so you better believe that for our two-year anniversary, it's going to be a doozy. So... Make sure that you are following Pine Copper Lime on that Instagram for when it drops next week. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. This episode of Pine Copper Lime is brought to you by our sponsor, Speedball Art Products, who've been bringing you a diverse range of high-quality products to your creative practice since 1997. Their newest exciting initiative is Speedball's Print Posse. Working with contemporary printmaking icons, Speedball has invited each artist to design and name an ink of their choosing. So, head on over to speedballart.com to learn more and to find out where you can pick up a can of your new favorite ink. This episode is also brought to you by McLean's Printmaking Supplies. Their small specialist team in the Pacific Northwest is the leading supplier of Japanese relief tools for printmaking in the U.S., and abroad. Our editor, Timothy Pauschak's two favorite tools are his Watatsuwari Sankakuto 3mm V-gouge and his Josui Maruto 1mm U-gouge, both from McLean's. But you don't have to take our word for it, these tools will speak for themselves. So head on over to imclean's.com to find your new favorite tool and keep on carving. One last little bit of print news for you. The West Virginia University School of Art and Design's printmaking program is looking for motivated and ambitious artists who want to be a part of their active print community. And between now and January 15th, they are waiving application fees for their MFA and MA programs. You might recognize the name West Virginia University from my chats with Stephanie Alans and Martin Mazora, both who studied in the printmaking program there. You can apply for free using the code GRWVU25. Assistantships and waiver hours are also available to incoming students. Learn more at artanddesign.wvu.edu or check out their printmaking professor Joseph Lupo on Instagram at lupo underscore Joseph. All the details are in the show notes. My guest this week is Masat, who, if you've ever been on Instagram and you've ever searched for printmaking, he probably doesn't need an introduction. Masat is known for his stunning, distinctive, and self-taught style of carving. We talk about growing up in Mexico in a hometown with drugs and violence, 
finding a sense of freedom in the punk scene, activism as a means of speaking your truth, and street art as community in the time of corona. I'm also very pleased to say that this episode is also another double release in collaboration with our friend Ronaldo Gilzambrano. In this version, I talk with Misat in English. Ronaldo has another version in Spanish. So make sure to check out the other side of this double release in the feed. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to break out the wheat paste with Misat. Hi, Masat. How's it going? Hey, I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm over here in southern Mexico, you know, surviving the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I feel like as long as any of us is doing that, we can, we can answer good when people are asking us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really really pleased that we finally were able to line up time zones with you, and because you're generously doing two interviews with us, um, one with Renardo as well, of course, which will be in Spanish. So we were doing the three time zone dance, but now, yeah, we finally were able to, to meet up. And you know, I know your work from, I think, even before I really started studying printmaking and getting into printmaking, um, I come across it uh, on Instagram, naturally, where, where so many uh, works of art are discovered these days. And right. was just instantly taken with it, just like the the skill um, of your carving and the imagery, which is so wonderful. But for anyone listening who might not know you or your story, mm-hmm. can you just let people know it by way of introduction, just who you are and where you are? And how would you describe what it is that you do? First, thanks for having me. And, and I'm excited to do the podcast. And, you know, I, I actually I first started to see like, you know uh, what you were posting online on on Instagram, uh, but you know it took me a while to figure out that it was a podcast. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just like a printmaking uh, you know page or, or profile, and then and then I just listened to a few of the of the podcasts and, and it's amazing. I'm I'm glad you know I'm happy to be on and and I'm I'm glad that you're you're taking the task on. You know, oh, thank um, you. And and certainly when I started, it was like. I mean, here, I, I just knew, like, a bunch of older guys, you know, doing printmaking in, in tiny little studios and, and, and workshops. It's nice and, and great to kind of see it, you know, revive and, and, you know, like a younger generation take over, mm. you know, because it, it, it was definitely feeling like it was dying out, you know, as as the, the previous generation was, was getting older and, 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 and definitely <clears throat> the, the art form seeing, like, galleries not being as interested in carrying prints you know because they were not one of a kind and that kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah i mean I, I i started getting getting like involved with printmaking in, in my, my early 20s and and it was mainly because i, I think i was a uh, sort of used to seeing printmaking and sort of the the folklore of, of mexico and you know in textbooks and just basically, like any Day of the Dead uh, sort of reference, always sort of went back to Posada and late printmakers, um, Manilla, Posada, and, and Pichetta mainly. And then, you know, I, I just kind of became curious and, and I started doing it. I was first involved with, you know, like uh, as a kid, I was always drawing, and, and then in my teens, I was doing graffiti. And then, you know, it came to a point where I, where I just started getting 
interested in, in other art forms and, and printmaking was the first one that I, you know, really fell in love with. So did you grow up in Mexico then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in the state of Sinaloa in northern, sort of northwest Mexico and uh, on a beach town. Um, there is not a lot of, of sort of like art tradition there. There's mm -hmm. a lot of music that comes from there, but it's that's sort of like where most of the culture gets focused on. The, all the folklore and then, and then there's a there, I guess there's a big carnival there that happens and and so you know there's like puppets and floats you know mm. that th these big carnivals and that kind of thing but other than that not not a lot of uh, visual art that comes from there yeah and so you said that you sort of grew up drawing um and then were drawn to printmaking because you were it sounds like you were just sort of seeing it in your visual mm -hmm. culture um and it was intriguing you so then how did you actually get to the point where you, you know, picked up a block or a lino cut and started carving? Well, first, I mean, I, I was doing just regular graffiti, like tags and, uh -huh. and, 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 and just like, you know, very like basic stuff. Um, and then now it just kind of felt foreign at some point. You know, I was like, I, I wanted to do more stuff. And then <clears throat> I, I kind of, you know, became aware of, you know, like stencils and and sort of like that sort of graphic art, and and I guess the the first form of of printmaking that I was that I was aware of was silk screening. Hmm. Uh, we had a you know since I was a teenager, I was I've been involved with the sort of DIY punk scene in uh, in Mexico, and silk screening has played a big part. You know, like making T-shirts and and zines and that kind of thing. And we had a little space in in my hometown. Uh, where we set up a little uh, silk screening shop, uh, mainly to do shirts and sell them, and uh, and then just basically make our own shirts that we wanted to do that we couldn't get uh, because it was a small town. I guess that was like my first go at, at pre-making. Then then stencils came, and then I kind of started seeing pre-making in in different forms, and mainly in in sort of zines and, and images. Mm -hmm. that were uh, not directly like prints, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't a piece of paper that was that was printed straight from the block. It was yeah, like yeah. a reproduction of the image. And I just, I always loved the way that it looked and, and I, I always had a, an interest in, in the way that shapes could be uh, made from lines. And uh, I also grew up like looking at comics and also, you know, graphic novels and, and sort of, there's this a couple a couple authors uh, this guy Kino he's uh, from South America and my dad had a couple of his of his graphic novels and I just like I, like I remember like spending hours looking at them and mm. being just mesmerized by like the ways that, that the ways that he would create values and 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 shapes through just lines and and, and textures. That's really interesting what you were saying about, you know, really looking at, at the comics and looking at how graphic way of making images, how does one create textures and that kind of thing? Because one of the things that I was really interested about was how you came to develop your style, because it's really distinctive. And, you know, like I mentioned in the intro, you can tell that you have really beautiful technical abilities just by looking at it the way the way they're carved, but you also have developed this unique aesthetic as well that's mm -hmm. you know very much you. And I know that a lot of young printmakers when they're out there 
they're really kind of searching for that. You know, they're looking to find their voice and you've definitely found yours. And so I'm wondering if you can speak to that journey at all and if that started with the comics or just what that was like for you to find a voice that really felt like your own. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like it's just constantly changing. Uh, you know, like uh, as as I grow older and then I just develop my stuff, then, you know, like my interests also change and, and, and the focus of my life changes. Mm. Um but as 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 a young kid, you know, like just you know, like the the town that I grew up in, it's been sort of hit by by violence and and sort of like drug trafficking culture, and I just kind of grew up with it. So there is a lot of sort of angst and and mm -hmm. and just exposure to to injustice that that I, that I experienced as a kid, and you know, like I feel like that translated into into what I do. It's been you know, especially early on, that was a, a big part of, of what I wanted to talk about and, and, and address in, in the work that I was doing. And in terms of, of, of my, my technique and, and the way that I, that I do my images, uh, I think it was, I mean, if it's unique at all, I think it's mainly because I just kind of learned, like, learned from, from trial and error. Just kind of like I've always uh, been interested in, in, like, I've always been really certain about the things that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've never shied away from sort of being like, well, you know, like I, I like graffiti, but, you know, I like this other thing and I like, you know, skating and I like punk and I like all this stuff. And I've never sort of shied away from from mix, like sort of mixing those things that were important to me and are important to me into what I do, you know. So I think that, for example, I have friends who relate to certain parts of it because they come from similar subcultures or certain of they they kind of had similar experiences and you know it's all kind of sort of meshed together into into the, the the work that I do and that that voice that you speak of and and I think for me like you know I, I'm self-taught you know so mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of the ways that I that I kind of went into it was you know like well you know I I, I really enjoyed looking at Kino or Posada or Manillo or, or all these uh, older artists, Leopoldo Mendes, and you know, I would I would try to sort of replicate and and just you know test it out, and I I'd always be like, well, how do I make it so that it sort of fits this this modern context that we have, or the you know sort of talk about the things that are relevant now. I don't want to just you know talk about what they were talking about. They already talked about it, you know, yeah. and and sort of I think finding my own. Um, experience and, and being able to process it through artwork has been a, a sort of a, a huge part of the journey. Yeah, and I think that's interesting that you're sort of speaking to understanding that really strong tradition in Mexico of printmaking and your relationship to it is is sounds like it's like you you understand that it was you know, really important for its time, and then you need to be making work that's important for your time. And I think some other Mexican printmakers I've spoken with, and even that Ronaldo and I have spoken with, the great pair, the, the Tres Gatos, they really talked about it in the sense of, you know, in a way kind of feeling the tradition of printmaking in Mexico hanging over them a little bit, because it's what people associate so much with printmaking in Mexico. It's like, oh, Mexican printmaking, Posada. But as living artists, living, breathing artists who are dealing with all of the 
really important issues that are happening today, it's almost like they need to shake that off a little bit. Like, not that they don't want it respected and they don't want to turn to it as inspiration, but, like, to really understand that, like, it, it was, Posada was talking about very important things, and so are we, you know? Uh, it sounds like you're feeling that as well. Right, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's a, it, it's part of the process, you know? I think, like, as artists, like, there's a, a part of us that, emulates you know we emulate nature we emulate uh social structures and and i think you know uh what the work of other artists and what they do is is also involved in that you know i think we mm -hmm. learn so we don't have to pick up from you know from zero we can we can look at what they did and and sort of uh we have the ability to you know kind of keep keep going you know but then you know we take the turns that we see fit and and that allows us to have our own voice and not just you know keep a tradition mm -hmm. for for the tradition's sake yeah yeah and so when you were growing up in um you talked about this town that you said had been hit you know hard with with drug trafficking and violence and that there was maybe sort of like a a bit of kind of like a punk community or like a resistance community in that was that sort of a in in your mind or your experience growing up was that like a direct reaction to seeing what was happening to the town that kids were kind of getting um were, were getting angry getting into activism and like using art as a way to respond to that yeah i think so i mean i, I think uh, you know punk, punk culture is, is you know is a counterculture it's very much you know, a reaction to sort of the status quo or mainstream mainstream society. So mm -hmm. it definitely, uh, it, it, for me, it really gave me the ability and the sort of the, the sense that I could do whatever I wanted to, and it didn't have to be good, you know? It didn't uh. have to be, you know, it, it, there was no professor that was telling me, oh, this is good, this is bad, you know, and, and, and would write things off. And it, it always, so I was able to, kind of like put my work and, and my passion to use right away it would be like oh we need a, an image for a zine or we need a you know we have a banner that we need to paint for for the march or or you know uh or whatever you know uh so it it kind of found a, a really useful avenue to be able to just kind of flourish and, and practice you know because mm -hmm. You don't have the pressure, you know. You it's just a bunch of your friends doing zines, and mm. and you want to, and you or you want to write a text for it, then you know it's just a bunch of 15, 16 years old, year old, you know. It's uh, so, and there is sort of like that collective uh, support in order to sort of develop work, the develop the work, and and just kind of move forward with it. I love that idea of, of developing your style you know, just by doing, you know, not by, not by looking to others to sort of like shape you into anything that's preconceived, mm -hmm. but rather you finding your voice and you finding what interested you simply through the act of repeatedly doing, um, which right. I think a lot of people feel like that they need more of a guidance that, that, that they'll, that they don't have that, that necessarily even that courage to just be like, I'm just going to make and make and make until I love what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And part of that, of course, is like the what society teaches us, which is that like, you can't know anything, you need to go pay a bunch of money 
for people, you know, who have letters after their name, they know something, right? Um, Yeah, so part of that is just the way we're taught that this is always done. But yeah, you were there just making and making kind of from necessity with the with your friends, you know, because you wanted to create something. Yeah, yeah, that, that, you know, and that's a big part of, of punk culture, you know, it's like most of the people that start playing instruments, you know, because music is a big part of it, uh, then, you know, nobody knows how to play, you know, they're yeah. just learning as they go. So it just kind of gave me agency and, and allowed me to sort of do do what I wanted to do and 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 not be like scrutinized by by making mistakes. And I think that really that leads well into my next question, which was the use of printmaking for activism. And so mm-hmm. you've spoken to that a little bit, you know, talking about kind of like the punk culture and and resistance and making zines. But I know it's a big part of of your practice and, and I think just by seeing your work, you know, you can tell that it's it's political. It's about extinction. It's about um, ecology. It's about politics, and yeah. I'm just hoping you could just maybe speak to that kind of in general about how you see like the act of printmaking as an act of resistance or an act of activism. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I think it, more than anything, it's just a it's a it's a collective art form, you know, and and mm-hmm. and collectivity. Uh, it's built by by sort of the effort of of many many people, and it's you know it's much easier to print with people than just printing by yourself. And the fact that you can reproduce the image and and you know like print it as many times as you want is always kind of lent itself into it being more of a a medium for sort of spreading ideas in a way. You know, it's not just one precious painting uh, hmm. that you need to have a gallerist or, or you know, like an institution uh, sell it for you because there's a lot of money, you know. You can just, you can print it as many times as you want and, you know, the first ones that end up with it or with the prints are your friends, you know, or the people that helped mm-hmm. you print. Uh, so there is sort of like a, a democratic as- aspect of, of of printmaking that I really love, and it and it also kind of crosses over into, you know, being able to do paste ups with 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 the prints and and utilize it in a way that goes beyond just kind of this two D form. I love what you're saying in there about how the act of printmaking brings people together because that is something that is, you know, I mean that is what activism is right like this is what protest is um is is the collection of people like being together in one space and of course with with corona our ability Mm -hmm. to gather safely has been extremely limited and just sort of as, as you're talking about i was thinking about how you could leave you know one could leave like that sort of street art Mm -hmm. as a way to create that sense of togetherness when you can't actually be together so you know someone could 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 make some could could do a mural or or a wheat paste up or or even just like a tag of some kind and that will stay there for a period of time where where people walking by will be like okay like i'm not alone in this feeling i'm not alone in this belief even though i can't be there with people physically right now who hold my beliefs for sure and 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 it's always uh, you know, like doing stuff in the street, it's always like 
it lends itself to having a group of people that support you, you know, because there's there's risks involved. And so, you know, like going out with more than one person, you know, who can watch your back and, uh, you know, look out for you and, and, you know, like carry the, the pace with you. And, you know, it's, it's always, uh, it brings you together, you know, and, 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 and it also reminds you, you know, who you can trust, you know, like, hmm. uh, sort of like there's a sense of, of friendship and, you know, like going back to, you know, uh, what you were saying about activism, like, you know, to me, it's not really about, it's not really about activism in itself for the sake of activism. It's just like, it's, you know, using uh, your voice to just speak your truth, you know, and I think that there's many truths, you know, and, and, mm. and like that can take so many different forms. Uh, I think when I was younger, I, I would feel more sort of judgmental of, of the way that people were making art, you know, it's just kind of like, write it off and be like well yeah but they're not saying anything it's pretty but it's like what is it mm. but that was sort of my own relationship with it i think uh now i, I i'm much more welcoming of, of any sort of like ways that people can express themselves and 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 also heal you know because mm. it's it's a crazy system that we live in and i think that there's many ways that people can find in order to uh, not just survive in the system, but like thrive, you know, and thrive in, in a way that is communal and, and collective. Speaking to that idea of collectives, I know that you're involved in a number of art collectives. I, the one I specifically know of, I think, is Just Seeds, but I know that there are others. And mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit of, about art collectives and um, and you know, how they're kind of, from, from your point of view, continuing to, to function and create a sense of community in, in COVID? Mm. Well, I think, well, in COVID, I'm, I'm, I mean, right now it's just crazy times. You know, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say what the fate of, of things will be. But in terms of, uh, of the ways that you can structure that, you know you, your community in order to sort of support each other there the the chances of a, of a project surviving when there is more than one mind at it is much greater you know and and it's much richer uh when when you have the sort of like many people sort of working towards a a similar goal and it sort of and it gives you the ability to to speak and be supported by, by your community, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's important because we're so hyper-individualized. Uh, sometimes I think, you know, in this era, we're, we're afraid to make mistakes, you know, because we'll be scrutinized publicly, because we'll, you know, somebody will say something and, 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 or it will be misinterpreted. And having the, the ability to stand with more than, than just yourself and, and have the sort of the input of those people as you're creating is, I think is really valuable. That's really beautiful. And I think speaks to the way political movements, not just artistic political movements, but movements in general and progress in general happens is this, that, that idea of, of things will live longer and have a better shot, the more people that are involved, because um, when people 
you know, if someone can't do it anymore, there's, there's, you know, three more people to take up where they left off. Right. Um, and, and that's how change happens. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, it, it, it gives you the ability to sort of like have just kind of, I think creativity has rhythms, you know, and it's it sort of like trying to push yourself to always be creative and, and productive is that I think that's more of a capitalist mentality, you know, mm-hmm. about like, you know, making us machines we're just like constantly producing and and that we have to have this just kind of like this genie is always available so that we can just continue to create and 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 just make enough money to 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 survive you know when when you're more than one person then you can just sort of like have your times in in terms of like your creative process and you know that, that there'll be other people that are, you know, kind of walking next to you that are also producing and having their own rhythms. And sometimes they, they come together and sometimes you're just like trying to figure things out in your own head. Yeah. And with capitalism as well, there's such a sense of creation from fear rather from than from joy. Yeah, you were, you were speaking to that when you were saying, you know, I have to do this because I have to make this money to do this thing. And 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 that you can't stop and take a breath. You can't stop for self-care. You can't stop to mourn. You can't stop to cry about anything. It's this, if you, if you're like a shark, if you keep, if you stop swimming, you'll die in these, these systems. And it's because, you know, part of that comes from, because you're supposed to have your own apartment full of your own things, full of your you know, just like your your own world that, that no one else can touch and it's yours and that like that is somehow like your own your own clothes that are the right kind of clothes and, and that right. all of this is something that this is the sign of a good life. Like this is what we're right. we're, we're given. Right. And, it's like it's what yeah. you have rather than who you are that is valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's such a difficult thing to achieve as mm-hmm. well individually. And it's something that does not lead to happiness you know i think that like, people are just get becoming more and more disconnected and that is we're social creatures you know we need to to sit around a fire at night together not an individual tiny screen you know playing how i met your mother it's like right. yeah and and the more we get separated the harder it is for us to live and the more we have to keep running on a capitalist hamster wheel Right. And, 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 and I think it, what, what you're saying is, is really important because it's sort of it, it we're confined to and, and right now is like really extreme, but we're confined to our little spaces in which we feel like we have agency. Mm-hmm. But when we go outside into the public space, we don't you know, we feel like we can't do anything. We don't have a voice. We're not represented by the things that are outside. You know, they're just kind of imposed on us. You know, we're not asked if we want to see billboards. We're not asked if we want to, like, see another Starbucks uh, mm-hmm. open up. And, you know, and, and I think that that's why it's, it's so important to to be able to go outside and just kind of, you know, speak through whatever means you have available. Uh, and this in this case, for me, like printmaking and, and, and murals and, and graffiti, like, sort of without asking questions and just, like, kind of, existing in the in the public space and not just being confined to the space that is your private property you know it's mm. it's uh kind of making our cities our towns 
places are inhabited by just by by more than just the sort of the capitalist system and and something that is trying to sell uh, something to you. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's so wonderful about street art and public art is that it's free. It's just there. Like you, you get to experience by virtue of the fact that you walked down that alley. And mm -hmm. I think that we're, we're trained that, that like, if you, if something's not exchanged for money, could it be any good? You know, that's right. one of the things that gets drilled into us. And street art pushes back against that so beautifully because obviously it's, it's incredible. Like the work you do is amazing. There's incredible street artists all over the world. And mm -hmm they're immediately pushing back against that idea that that something can exist because it's good in and of itself and you can enjoy it because it's good in and of itself and and it, money does not have to come into it at all right and and, and it and it's funny because it's like even even that you know it's it's being co-opted and it's being like mm. Uh, sort of repackaged and sold to people you know it's just kind of like it's being being flipped around and and big corporations are all of a sudden interested in in what happened organically, yeah. and uh, and I think that that's why for me it's so interesting, or I've been interested in in, in sort of these countercultures because they they just kind of happen organically out of out of people's passions, uh, and there is no no mo like no motive or motivation beyond uh, just the desire to do it and the passion to do it. And I think, and it's and there's a certain freedom and release when you're able to do it. You know, it's it's also empowering to go outside and and just like, you know, get up and do do an like you know do a paste up or paint something, and 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 just kind of understand the your own power and your ability to speak to people that are you know not you know that are just regular people that are passing by. You know, and mm -hmm. that could be. You know, people that don't like it and hate what you do, or people that 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 love it. Uh, but but you know, the I think one of the one of the reasons to make art for me is is to have that conversation. You know, what whatever mm. that conversation may may end up being. When I've worked with the public and kind of been a bit of an intermediary with some of the jobs that I've had in the arts in the last 10 years, you know, like, like this podcast, you know, like where, where I, I speak to an artist and then it's out there in the world for mm -hmm. free and anyone can listen to it, right? You know, any mm -hmm. any person with access to the internet can can download the podcast. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of conversations with people who are sort of outside of the art world and they one of the biggest misconceptions or... or it kind of makes it sound like the onus is on them and that's not really right, but it's sort of one of the, the, the blocks that I found that people have mm -hmm. is thinking, Oh, I don't know anything about art. Right. And I just want to say, you don't, there's nothing to know. You just need to know if you like it or not. And you're right. very much allowed to not like it. That's what yep. makes this interesting. Right. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and I think that that's kind of, I mean, it, it, art happens so much like, through feelings, you know, much mm. more than in, in, in your head. And, and I think when we're able to remove our, our minds from perception, you know, like when, you know, you, you go and see a flower and you're like, oh, that's a beautiful flower. You know, it's just like you understand that, that, that it just is, you know, without having to sort of like put 
a um, description to it mm. and allow yourself to feel, you know, what, what it makes you feel. I think that the, that it, it's just like infinitely more powerful. And, and, and sometimes it's interesting when people just instantly want to know what, what things are about instead of just like uh-huh. letting themselves feel how they feel, you know, and, and that may be just enraged and, 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 and angry because you like, you know, pasted over a, a pristine wall. But, but it's always interesting, you know, because people are able also to interact with what you do in the public space. You know, they, they'll, they can tag over it, they can rip, rip it up or, or paint over it. But then it, you kind of have the you have the interaction that has already happened. You know, you you know that somebody uh, interacted with it by changing it. You know, and it has that quality of like impermanence. Uh, it's kind of like a like a like a mandala. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of destroyed in the end, and and and, and it's uh, like its nature is not to just like be pristine forever and ever. It, it, it's just, you know, you just do it and, and you just kind of let it go. All art is inherently impermanent. It's just, right. yeah, it's just that some art doesn't pretend that it's not, you know? <laughs> right. right. And, and it, you know, it makes me think about how in the commercial art world, so much of it is just based around uh, how are you know how archival is it? What's the documentation? You know, all of this extreme amount of of energy mm-hmm. that goes into this has to be forever and ever and ever because someone has spent money on it. And right, it's, it's investment. It's an investment, right? You can flip it in twenty years or five years right. or in that kind of thing, and. Yeah, especially um, if the artist dies, right? Like, oh, that, now, oh, now yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's so crazy. And so it's funny, too, because we spend money all the time on things that are impermanent. We take trips. We, uh, mm. we have meals. We um, go to theater. And, mm-hmm. and we interact with other forms of enriching our lives in ways that are impermanent. But... For some reason, art, we don't we don't interact with it that way. We don't think of it as, if I do exchange money for this, I'm exchanging it for the experience of viewing it or the experience of being with it. It's thought of as like, this is the object, rather than right. how I'm responding to it is actually what I'm trading sort of money for labor for. Which is interesting. Right. If it's if it's visual art, if it's, you know, if it falls into the, the rectangle form yeah. of art making yeah <laughs> yeah and, and, and it also changes the way that the, the art is produced because it's you know if you make decorative art you know like there's going to be more people are going to want to have it in their house that is like hanging and they look at it and it makes them feel good and you know there's certainly a place for it in the world but it it's certainly not that's not the only thing that that we all have to say you know Mm-hmm. And if we confine it to to it being uh, something that is pleasant, then, you know, we're limiting our ability to say, you know, to say whatever we want to say and 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 express how we're feeling. And, you know, and, and I think expressing how we feel and expressing uh, what we're thinking, uh, I think there is something that is cathartic about it. There, there, like you, it's kind of like writing in, in a journal you're able to just kind of get it out of the system. And I think that there is sort of like 
if you do it from a genuine place. And, and that kind of goes back to your earlier question about finding your own voice. It's, I think that's the most important thing. Like, it doesn't matter if it turns out ugly. Like, if it's a really, if, if it's true to what you feel and think and, and experience, I think people are going to connect with it no matter what. And, and I think that, the, the, like, that's, I think that's the biggest, and that's the, it's probably the hardest uh, because we're also constantly changing and, you know, we like a piece can 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 connect with people. And then, um, you know, but if you keep making the same piece, like it might it may not it may not connect in the same way, you know, or you may not connect with it in, in the same way, which is like uh, infinitely more important. Um, yeah. And, you know, like just uh, being able to use uh you know your your artwork as a way to sort of like wash those things out of your own system uh i think it's you know i think it's powerful and 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 you realize that it's not just powerful for yourself but there is there is value in in speaking uh your truth and all of a sudden like as you do it you realize it's like well this is not something that i experience myself only you know people relate to it and they're like and they connect with it you know, it's like, uh, it's, it, you know, you listen to pop music and you can like sing and dance to it uh, and it may be catchy, but I think, you know, there's something about art forms that, you know, you can connect with the sort of the, the sincerity of, of, of it. You know, like you listen to a song and it's like heartfelt and you can just feel the, the you know, the person's soul uh, put into it. And you just, you're like, I don't know what this song is, but like, it, you know, it just kind of touches somewhere deep. And and I think that that's the power of art in in general, you know, it being uh, visual or or audio or video, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, it always surprises me when I will sometimes see people's reaction to a work of art or to just any creative output if it's not decorative, and the reaction, you know, if it has like a skull in it or if it has, you yeah. know, I don't know who knows what in it, and people will be like, oh, that's that's not very nice, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, the, we're not living in a very nice world, you know? It's kind of like, it's, yeah. this is, yeah. Like, things are really hard right now and people are responding to that. And I always want to be like, what, what's going on in your world that you, that you feel like you can control it in such a way that you only, only want nice things in it, you know? Uh, well, who are you? Think, <laughs> like, was it's this like Hollywood mentality in which everything is polarized. You know, it's like, mm. you know, it's like, oh, the good guy, he's like good looking, and you know, mm -hmm. he uh, he helps like homeless children, and he like, <laughs> and he saves everybody, and then you know, like all like this whole fucking like, uh, you know, like in per perception of what what a good person is, you know, this hero. And then the the bad, you know, the, the villain of this story is, you know, like not only does he like wants chaos for everybody, but he's all like also, a, you know, a sexual predator. And, you know, like it's just like the worst of the worst is like, OK, how bad can you make this person and how good can you make? And there's like no gray areas in between. And, and, and I think it's just like gives us this this perception of like, you know, like, well, good is like this, you know, and. And anything that falls out of it and or everything that makes us feel slightly uncomfortable 
is bad. Yeah. Um, and falls into this villain category that I'm, I'm, I must avoid at, at all costs. And I think it's just like it creates it creates this this world in which there's very little room for like real humanity that is complex and 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 not just like a cookie cutter perception of of reality. And that somehow the goal in life is to never ever feel anything bad ever, like as right. if that's possible, you know. Yeah. And and I feel like a lot of a lot of therapy and a lot of the first time the phrase I wanted to use was like good spirituality, but that's you know maybe a little bit problematic. But I think a lot of the side of certain spiritualities that that really help people is mm -hmm. coming to understand that it's not that there are good feelings and bad feelings. It's not like if you look at a work of art and that makes you uncomfortable, that is a bad feeling. You're not supposed to be having that feeling. It's more yeah. like this is the whole tapestry of human experience and. Right how you respond to it, that's in your control. You, you'll mm -hmm. never go your whole life without feeling anything bad ever again. But you can decide, right. you know, do I turn that into anger and hurt someone? Or do I examine why this feeling made me respond this way? Is it, is it actually from my fear? Does it make me feel sad? Like, does looking at pieces that have to do with extinction, which I know you do a lot of work on, am I uncomfortable about it because I know that it's true? Well, maybe I should right. do something. Yeah, what's the relate your relationship with you know with with the, this experience that we're all having? You know, it's and I think that, that it reminds you know like, things that remind us of our own fragility mm. and, and and mortality. It just makes us uncomfortable, you know. Yeah. And but it, you know, it's like oh man, I'm gonna die like one day, <laughs> or maybe, maybe tomorrow. Like who knows? Yeah. And, and and it's like I'd rather not think about it, you know. And and um, we're just kind of prolonging or the, this really central part of, of the human experience or just like the experience of a, of a sentient being, mm -hmm. you know, we're gonna, we're gonna die. And, you know, it's like the, the longer you push away from it is, is the, the hardest it will be once we have to experience it and not just in our own, you know, in our own death, but also, and the death of the people that we love and, and, and our, our, our animal companions. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it, I think it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to like, just push those things away until, you know, until it's too late and we just have to, we were forced to face it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult not to, to think so much about Buddhism as I'm sitting here in mm -hmm. Thailand um, uh, and all of that and how, a big part of the, the Thai Buddhist traditions is not forgetting that you're going to die. And that mm -hmm. comes to one of the, the really deep tenets of it, which is impermanence. And that yeah. grasping is our cause of our suffering. Yeah. And so the more attached you are to your own life, the more pain it will cause you when you think about it ending. Right. But if you, if you understand that impermanence is just the nature of our existence... And that as sentient beings, the handoff of getting to, you know, talk about art and talk about abstract ideas and dream and think about a past and a future mm -hmm. is knowing that we're going to die and having to deal with that.
but <laughs> that but so for so many people that falls into the category of I don't want to think about that. Like, oh, that that work of art has a skull in it. I don't want that, yeah. you know. And it's just this constant like, I only like nice things. That's not a nice yeah. thing. And it's that binary you were talking about. There are nice things and there are bad things. And like, life right. is good and death is bad. And that's the right. way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because there's many many cultures, and especially traditional cultures, have have a reverence for and and a place for that for that aspect of, of life, which is dying and passing, mm. you know, I, I think, you know, like, for example, with, in, in Tibetan culture, you know, there's so much, so many, so many rituals and, and traditions that are revolving uh, the experience of, of death and the death of the, uh, of, of the people in our communities. Yet, like in, in Western culture, for the most part, it's just kind of been you know, erase from our daily experiences, you know, like, oh, like somebody died, there's going to be the, the, you know, the funeral home is going to come pick him up, clean him up, yep. you know, put him in a casket and, you know, and then we'll never have to see him again. We don't have to deal with cl cleaning them, right? Yeah, paint them up so they look like they're alive, you know, so we right. don't have to think about it. It's They're just sleeping, you know? Yeah, right, right. And, and, and you know, like you were mentioning like Buddhist traditions, like, and if if we look at the you know Buddha's art, there is so much reminders of that fragility. There is so mm -hmm. so many reminders of of you know like the sort of like the the transience of of life, um, and 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 that it ultimately is just a transformation. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, uh, you know like everything you know, when when we eat whatever we eat. Uh, we transform it into energy, and that's mm -hmm. what we're, we'll end up becoming. You know, and it's and that like, you know, I I don't I, I for me like I don't separate art as a I was like, well, this is my life, and this is art. You know, like it's all just part of like one <laughs> one yeah. big mixture of things, and 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 I'd certainly take my life experiences and put them into my practice. You know, not just yeah. like in, in terms of you know, the ideas, but also the practice in itself and how I go about it. I think it's just like, you know, when we try to remove it, it, it then we have like, this is very strange experiences, uh, you know, like, yeah, re really re removed and, 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 and then just become art becomes like a, a product or an object, like you were saying. Yeah. And that, that separation and that, um, that struggling for permanence, that all comes back into that sort of capitalist view of art, you know, that like this has to, this piece has to stay forever. And like this artist has to be in a certain way and, and they mm -hmm. need to be able to be categorized. Like, okay, where were they born? What year, you know, right. boom, put it, put it into the artsy database, you right. know, <laughs> like, well, they can just stay, they can stay forever and ever. Right. And that way of, of just living organically where art is your life and life is your art it it doesn't fit that mold very well um, because you to sort of I think that people are often told to think about their art systematically mm -hmm. um, and think about you know how do you market yourself kind of systematically and all of this and and uh, that goes counter to I think a lot of the really important things you were saying about about following your voice and following your intuition and being open to collaboration that is difficult to do if you're thinking about just completely 
fitting into an existing framework. You don't yeah. have the, the freedom to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's like, I, I think th there's just like, uh, in, in sort of like, you know, I, I mean, I call it Western society, but it's it, pretty globalized these days. But this kind of like modern mentality of like, it's just like hyper individualism and, and, and uh, you know, like this uh, obsession with productivity and, 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 and the way that we're perceived being much more important than, than the way that you know yourself. Mm. It just creates uh, so many, uh, it's like so much confusion and it's really, it's really hard to find your voice. And I just, I, you know, I, I, I mean, it's a struggle for, for, I think for all of us, because we exist in this world to have the space and time to be with it, you know, to be with yourself and, and, and just to listen to your own discomforts and to, to listen to your own contradictions mm -hmm. and, and kind of like find areas of, of opportunity and able to, you know, and being able to express those uh, even though those confronting ideas or confronting feelings within yourself and, and, and ultimately finding that, that place in which you understand like how connected we are, you know, to mm. everything. And I think that that's, you know, that's really the most powerful thing that we, that we can do as, 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 as sentient beings, you know, it's <laughs> like, just like being able to sit with yourself and 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 living through uh the, those challenges and 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 just kind of like utilizing whatever tools you have available to to process that and and just find sort of communion in in that discomfort because mm -hmm. you know the, the more you sit with yourself is the more that you realize that everybody is in the same deep shit you're in uh, <laughs> right Right. And, and it's not just like, uh, you know, it's like as if we we're sitting right now and you're like, oh, why is like, why is COVID happening to me? It's like, well, what's <laughs> just happening to you? It's happening to everybody. And that yeah. could be said with everything, with grief. It could be with, uh, you know, uh, economic challenges or uh, insecurities, fears uh, mm -hmm. that everybody experiences them. Um, and And the more that you're able to open up, and, and to speak from a place of truth, then the more you realize that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what we're all going through. It's part of the human and, and living experience of, of, of being, a you know, being in this, this 3d world, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I can't think of a better note to wrap up on than that because that was that was really wonderful um and i think really beautiful advice or really beautiful words for artists everywhere but just kind of humans everywhere is that uh, the vulnerability is truly it's like it's the only way to live a life that's significant i think um, and the more you let yourself be brave and vulnerable the more you'll find connection with people and um and reward in that mm -hmm. yeah yeah so thank you so much for um for the invitation and and you know like talking with me and and listening to me yeah this was my absolute pleasure to to finally be able to talk and to talk about such great things with you 
the best place for people to find you would be on your Instagram, would you say? Yeah, yeah, Instagram, and yeah, anywhere. Instagram, yeah, just give you a Google, yeah. Uh, Google, you know, let let the trackers track you. Yeah, (laughs) it's all out there, yeah. So, um, thank you again, it was super delightful, and uh, I know that you're gonna, gonna pop on and chat with Ronaldo in just a moment here so that will be wonderful too for for having uh, our chats in English and Spanish so thank you well thank you and thanks everybody for yeah for <laughs> <for your laughs> flowers and uh, thank you <laughs> well that's our show this week join me again next week when my guest will be Emma Yu the executive director of STPI Creative Workshop and Gallery Singapore. We'll chat about how she came to STPI, the journey of building the reputation of the Institute from struggling at first to get artists to eventually going to all four art basils. We also see what 2021's looking like and how COVID has affected everything. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf with editing from Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.